I remember that time well, and I had a pastor in mind as I was ripping out Buckthorn, a pastor who was compromising his life, and I was praying that he would beware. And my sadness with several pastors that I've worked with is that uh, they were not aware of the buckthorn and it destroyed them. And so what I'm saying today is a sober message. I'm not mad at anybody. But I'm saying it is a sober message. It's to me, it's to you uh, to beware. Uh, Look outside. It's November 2nd, people. I don't remember a November 2nd that looked like this since I've been here. Maybe it, maybe we've had it, but uh, I'm sure loving this fall. Anybody else loving this fall? Yeah. So it was back in about 2005, and a missionary came to my house, and he had a leaf. And he said, see this leaf, see its construction. This is called buckthorn, and you've got it all over your property. And unless you deal with it, it will take over everything. That's what he said. I can't remember his name. You you know him. Tall, slender, had a tall wife. uh, So then... Pang, yeah, yeah, Tang, Gordy Tang, that was right. Did nothing. Heard the warning, did nothing. Two years later, Karen and I are walking uh, on the northwestern path. We had no path at that time. What we had down here was a garbage dump. We would throw things over the side. What didn't look like it looks now. We didn't have any lawn here. We threw things over the side. The kids went out there. I never went out there. Literally. I went out and walked the path this morning. I'll tell you how how we got to that. So, just stuff. Whatever, stuff. Kids, no, 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 no. So, we're walking the path, and Jerry Bilby, a professor at Northwestern, is talking about buckthorn, and he says, Paul, you need to deal with buckthorn. On the way back on the path, he started. He was telling his students about it. And he says it's indigenous to England. People brought it over to the States because it makes a good bush and it grows tall. But when you take something out of its environs, as sometimes happens, it gets out of control. And so uh, the buckthorn in the States now is out of control. And it was out of control at Northwestern, and they've been attempting to get control of it for the last six years. After hearing from Jerry, I said, we've got to do something. And so got my sons and uh, uh, Ben. Ben was living with us at the time. Ben Fisher got him out there, and we said, guys, we're going to do it now because we, we just went through the forest and cut down everything that uh, looked like buckthorn, some things that weren't, 
and uh, went after it. As I did, I, I saw the, what kind of an illustration this was, and it began to burn in my heart because I was dealing at the time with somebody in Finland, known all over the country, known by secular and spiritual alike, a leader who was dealing with Buckthorn not well. Since then, he has toppled, and it created a devastating fallout in the nation of Finland. I once stopped and asked people that, that uh, were not Christians, ever heard of this name? And they, of course. So it was sad for me. I'm not talking about them this morning. I'm talking about you and me. Because the Bible is clear that we need to beware of the buckthorn. What is buckthorn? It's anything in our life that has the potential of overtaking us and destroying us. When I was in seminary, the guy that I was living with said, Paul, if Satan wants to get at you, what will he use? And I said, pride. I threw the question back at him. And I said, what will he use in your life? He said, sex. That's what Satan used. Left his wife, left his kids, left his ministry, left a long trail. Now, why would I even talk about something as, as sad as this? I'll tell you. Because Jesus, in this wonderful Sermon on the Mount, gives 14 very, very strong warnings about buckthorn, about things in our life that could compromise. It might be laziness. It might be gossip. It might be sexual immorality. But Satan wants to get at us and uproot us. Understand, I'm not sin conscious. I was as a young person. And I thought that the best way to root out sin was to think about it a lot. That doesn't do it. I want you to behold Jesus. But in beholding Jesus, I don't want you to think that you can stand just because you're, you're, you're not conscious of your sin. Because Paul said, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. And so I pray. I don't have... I don't have to convict anybody today. The Bible says the Holy Spirit uh, can convict. And if the Holy Spirit draws something to your mind, he wants you to be aware of that. It may be an area that other people have talked to you about, an area where you have uh, issues that you're, you're defensive about, and, and when someone mentions it, you, you get kind of nervous. It may be something that you're not aware of and need to be made aware of. I just pray for an openness to the Holy Spirit this morning. So let's just, let's just stop and, and pray for that, and then we'll look at a couple scriptures. When the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world, the Bible says, of sin, righteousness, and judgment. So Holy Spirit, you come to comfort, as we already prayed that you'd comfort Yazid and comfort Charlie, we pray that you would bring comfort today for those who need comfort. We pray that you would bring conviction where we need conviction, where, where we have been tolerant of things in our life that are growing and that need to, need to leave. So give us 
Give us grace and give us truth as we look to your holy word. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew 5. Jesus took the law and he raised it higher. He didn't do away with the law. He actually brought it to a new level, to the heart level. He says in verse 27, You have heard that it was said, Do not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in her heart. So there were people who were thinking, well, we, we haven't uh, taken in somebody else's wife. We haven't slept with anybody else. We're off the hook. And Jesus says, no. It starts in your mind. It starts with fantasizing. It starts with wondering. I suspect that affairs start in the mind before they enter into reality. And it's, it's easy to begin to toy with sin and not to think it's serious because it hasn't left your own thinking. But the Bible says it is serious. And he wants to draw our attention to that. Why? Because he, he hates sin. Because he died to overcome it. And the cross does overcome sin. But not where we're casual and indifferent, then he gets even stronger. This is Jesus. This is the good shepherd saying, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. I mean, that's gross. But that's Jesus who said that. And here's what I hear him saying. Do whatever you have to do. Whatever it takes to deal with whatever he is convicting you of, whatever it takes, be willing to deal with that. Don't excuse it. Don't, don't get defensive. Don't get defensive with me now. Don't get f- defensive with someone else if they point something out to you. Say, yeah, well, you got your problems too. No, that's not the point. If the Holy Spirit is bringing something to your attention, if you're hard to live with, if you're hard to work with, if you're, if you're nagging or, or harassing or judgmental or... or uh, whatever it is that the Lord may be wanting to deal with you, that could be the buckthorn that could affect other areas of your life. This last week, four of us were down here. And we basically stripped the forest bare. Afterwards, if you have time, walk down the path, and it looks very different. You know why? Because it was all buckthorn. It was all buckthorn. We try to be careful not to take out what wasn't buckthorn. I got a tool from Northwestern, and it was this blade that was spinning around, and I was holding it for four hours. I was going like this, going back and forth, (laughs) cutting it down. And basically, we've just stripped the forest. We have a neighbor that's really concerned about this and wants to recover the forest. And so he was good to us to help us. So... There are many passages in the, in the epistles that I could go to, and I'm going to send it to you, and would really appreciate if you'd read it, because I'm not going to take time now to look at those 
passages. There's just one in, in 1 Corinthians where Paul says, if anyone destroys God's temple, now listen to this, if anyone destroys God's temple, you know what it says? God will destroy him. It, he, he doesn't pull out the forgiveness card as if if anyone destroys God's temple, God will forgive him. He says God will destroy him. And you are God's temple. So if you want the grace card pulled out, you're going to get truth. But if you come with truth, you're going to get the grace card. Let me give you an example. Here comes the prodigal son. He's coming back home. He's not saying, Dad, I really want you to be forgiving. He said, Dad, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as your hired servant. That's truth. What did he get? He got grace piled on. Jesus is full of grace and truth. If I was dealing with a guy that thinks he's committed the unforgivable sin and his heart is soft and he's broken, I'm not going to say to him, brother, you better be careful. I'm going to say, God cares about you and wants to pour his grace. But somebody who's indifferent, who's casual, who's wayward, and who's, who's not willing to listen, then I'm going to level at him. We had a friend down in South America in Brazil, and he was running around. He was a pastor's kid. He was running around. And he shared it with his pastor. And his pastor said, you're a young adult. What do you expect? And so he'd run around on Saturday and come to church on Sunday. And sometimes he'd carry his Bible with him. Here's what a guy said to him that had a different outlook. He said, don't carry your Bible around because I don't want you to carry it with you to hell. And that's so struck his heart with truth, that that's what caused him to confess, to acknowledge the way he was living. And he got stripped of all of that. And when we were there, he was a flaming, wonderful evangelist who would speak anywhere about Jesus, even uh, at the threat of his life. Hal Lindsey had someone say to him, and I wouldn't do this unless I knew God was leading me because I've seen, as I told you in a sermon a couple months ago, some lack of gentleness in sharing the good news. And the Bible says do it with gentleness and respect. But someone said to Hal Lindsey when he was a riverboat pilot in the Mississippi, he said, you have nothing to look forward to but the wrath of God. That was truth. That caught him off guard and it caused him to acknowledge his need and to repent of his sin. I'm just going to tell you how we dealt with the buckthorn and then give you some suggestions for how you might walk in your own heart. First of all, identify it. I couldn't identify buckthorn. And I, even after he told me, even after he described it, I went back to Jerry and I said, is this buckthorn? And he said, that is buckthorn because we took some things down that weren't buckthorn that we didn't need to, you're going to work extra hard. Identify. What is it? What is it in your life? What is it? Ask, ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what would you convict in my life? What, what about my speech? What about my demeanor? Am I a grouch? Am I, how would you see me? You may get affirmation. But you may get some things that will help you deal with buckthorn. You've got to identify it first. Once we identify it, 
and really got serious about it, as Karen said, I began to take it out. And as I did, I was crying for people who I knew had buckthorn in their lives. Second thing, I didn't do it alone. We worked as a team. And if you really want to deal with this, you need one or two other people to help you get the buckthorn out of your life. The Bible says confess your faults to one another and pray for one another. If you are serious, then you're not worried about vulnerability. Did you hear what I just said? I want to be vulnerable, not with everybody, but with somebody. And I've got some people I'm serious with. One is Gary Gilbertson, some of you know. One is Larry Christensen. One's a peer mentor and one's older than me. I call and I do it. Because I, I know my we- I don't know all my weaknesses. But when I see something, when I see a pattern, I call them. I say, I don't like what I'm seeing. And so I'm not telling you to do something that I am not attempting to do myself presently and through my life. So you work as a team and you exercise vulnerability and you say, you know, I really want to root this out because this this is dangerous and it's a it's a bad pattern in my life. And I'll tell you right now, if you are a victim, you will, you will feel like everybody else has to deal with it but you. If in any way you view yourself as a victim, uh, I've noticed when I see myself as victimized by situations or victimized by life, I am soft on sin and hard on people. That's not going to deal with it. If you're willing to be hard on sin, Jesus, was Jesus hard on sin? It took him to the cross. Was he victorious over sin? Absolutely. So will you be if you go after it. But don't be indifferent toward it because when you read the, read the passages, you'll see how many in the epistles are really brutal towards sin. Third thing, we persisted. It won't happen with one word of forgiveness. Guaranteed. Because it will it'll try to come back in different ways. So stick with it. Stick with praying about it. And stick with having people to help you overcome it. And if you persist. The reason you have to persist with, with Buckthorn is that it has a, a quite a uh, evangelism program. It's got berries on it, and guess who takes the berries? The birds. The birds take the berries, and they take them around. So when we found branches with a lot of berries on them, we separated those because we want to deal not only with the branches but with the berries. Otherwise, they're going to go somewhere else at the other end of the property, and the bird's going to take it and drop it. And one branch alone may have 250 berries. That's potentially 250 plants. So it's quite a program for outreach, this uh, <laughs> buckthorn. So you have to, have to deal with it and put that in my pocket rather than drop it. And then the, the fourth thing we did, we followed the rain. What do I mean by that? Yeah, Bob said it. 
after the rain, the ground was really soft. It was, it's very difficult to get out plants that are three feet or more. And so it's hard to pull them out. And I borrowed what's a lever from Northwestern where, uh, I'll bring it in the next couple of weeks if I can get a hold of it. But when you bend it, you, it, it has claws, and you put it around the plant, and as you push the lever down, it bites the plant, and then you pull the lever, and it, uh, it lifts them out. Pretty good size ones. They're, they're two size. You've got you to take a chainsaw to them. But uh, following the rain says to me, this, I'm not talking about morality today. I'm not talking about moralism. I'm, talking about, I'm not talking about trying to be better. Because ultimately, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And so it's not you that's going to root it out. It's the Holy Spirit that's going to convict, going to comfort, and give you the power to overcome this. So please understand when I say this, that everything is by the power of the Holy Spirit. Every fruit is uh, produced in our life by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop in just a couple minutes. I want to share two more things. I've already commented on it, but I want to I bring it home and make it clear to you that where you don't run from truth, you will receive grace because Jesus is full of grace and truth. And if you are willing to accept the truth about something God shows to you, then you are in a position to receive the grace. The elder brother who wouldn't accept the truth didn't get the grace, and he, he frustrated the grace of a father who wanted to show him grace, but he couldn't access it. He was angry. He was upset. He was narcissistic. He was absolutely self-centered, wanted his own party on his own terms. And so he didn't even see the sin that was in his life. I'll tell you, some of you probably don't even, couldn't even imagine the sin that God sees. And he wants to root it out. He wants to see the cross of Christ cleaning out the issues in your life that are there. So if you can, you can accept the truth, you're going to experience the grace. The second thing is that holiness trumps happiness. If you say, I'm going after holiness, happiness gets thrown in as a byproduct. If you go after happiness, you're going to miss happiness and holiness. It's going to make you miserable. And Yazid, you'd say yes to that, wouldn't you? You'd say amen to that because you know from experience how miserable sin can make you. And how wonderful it is when we, when we come to a place where we can let God break us and change us and root out the things that are in our life that don't belong there. Any questions? Any, anything uh, you want to ask questions about before we pray? want to pray together? Yeah, Levi. What are the things about vulnerability? Well, it, the Bible makes it clear in a variety of places that where we are open about those things that, that God needs to deal with, it says, con, like in James, it says, confess your, what, faults one to another and, what, pray for one another 
that you may be healed. How wonderful is that? That when I pray with someone else, when I'm vulnerable with someone else, and acknowledge the things that I'm struggling with, and get re- receive prayer, I'm setting myself up for healing. Yeah. Yeah. Good, honey. Any other questions? Yeah. Can you say something about shotgun saying to me, hard on I want to be hard myself. I don't want to be hard on other people. I, I, but the Bible, the Bible is strong about warning, about warning. There are, when I saw this in the Gospels, especially in the Beatitudes, then I went to the Epistles and I saw how urgent Paul was in these areas. And that's where the article is going to show how many warnings there are in the Epistles. I glossed over them. I just missed them. Hadn't even seen them. But then when I read with that specific thing in mind, I want to deal with the buckthorn in my life, <coughs> I saw really strong ones. From, from Romans to through to first, second, third John. Paul, have you ever just referred to truth and truth? You know, truth being life-giving, whereas it might be true that you did this, 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 and this, but the truth is. That's so knowing the difference between, we don't have to listen to everything everyone tells us that might be true about us, because some of that just tears us down and Yes, that person could be true in what they're saying. And if your heart is right, they may say it with a wrong attitude, but it's still, if you're willing to listen, even if it's harsh, you know, God God can use that as well. Real loud. There are people way back there. That's a huge thought. 
If you don't have self-awareness, you're not going to see it, and you're not going to hear it from other people. It would be good to ask those who are really, really close to you, tell me, am I realistic about my life? That's the first thing about emotional health is that you realize you're not healthy. There are areas in your life that aren't healthy. And if you can't see that, it's going to be very difficult to, to do anything about this message. But if somebody can help you come to a place, sometimes good counseling can do that. You don't, you don't even see this, but it's, it's right there. The elder brother could not see it. And he probably, you know, if you, if you follow the story to the end, he may never, never did. Went to his grave not seeing that he was very unhealthy. Yes. There are two deaths in the Gospels. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, because I'm going to take up mine. Right on. Okay, I'm going to pray for you. And then, this isn't groups as in groups of five. This is groups of two. At the most, groups of three. Because if there are things, and, and it may be moving around, because vulnerability is not uh, at the created equal. It's not democratic. You don't be vulnerable with everybody about everything, but you are vulnerable with, with somebody about everything. So uh, if you have to move around, go ahead and do that. Or you can be by yourself if that's, if that's the best way you can deal with it. But it would be good if you can, if not today, tonight, tomorrow, the next week, uh, confess your faults. I do this on a regular basis with people that I'm close to. Uh, and that's because I don't want to be conscious of sin. I don't want to have that echoing in my head all the time. So I want to live in the power of the cross and the glorious resurrection. So I want to deal with it rather than being soft on it. There's nothing soft about sin in the Bible. I think of my kids when they say, Will I sin and we saw me? As if that takes care of everything. You know, now you've got to deal. Everything's done because I said I was sorry. No, you disobeyed. I would rather have them walk in obedience than forgive them. Did you just hear what I said? you understand what I just said? You know, I could forgive them 20 times a day, but I would rather have them learn obedience rather than them pull out the forgiveness. Sorry, well, I said I was sorry. As if that is, everything's, everything's done. There's more to it than that. Okay, we're going to pray. And now, Father, we, we, we say you have your way in our midst. We pray against any condemnation, as we did earlier, 
There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But we do ask for conviction wherever we need it. We ask for the blinders to be taken off. We ask where we do not see things clearly that you would help us to. Use people, you with our own failures, where necessary to show us how we need to humble ourselves. And we pray that you would use these words to help us be overcomers, to be victors in Christ. Give us, give us your grace now as we acknowledge the truth of our situation apart from you and seek to walk in righteousness. So you uh, find someone else. I'm going to ask a, a couple people, uh, a couple of the leaders to, to join me up here if you want to come up for prayer. There, there may be something that you want to share that uh, you'd feel safe with me or uh, Bob or Linda. Would you, would you uh, join me up here? Uh, uh, if, if you'd be safe in doing something like that, that would be another alternative. But if you're comfortable in finding someone close to you, say, hey, would you pray with me about this? Because here's where I'm struggling. Go ahead.